for the first eight years of us church planting, um, I was bivocational. Um, there came a time where um, God opened up a door for me to um, continue in my career, but I had to make some sacrifices. That meant that I wasn't going to grow um, vertically in my career, but I was going to let go of some things. But God positioned me into a location where um, I was able to be faithful to my job, but also in the call, he opened up opportunity for me to have quality time. And so in the office where I worked at, um, there was you would think it was more like a church office because I had stacks of books in this in the headquarters, you know, my resources there. And um, as long as I got my work done, it worked out. That was the part as far as giving that time, if I was using that time the right way to prepare. However, um, wife, four kids um, and doing all of those things, I didn't realize how fast the treadmill was going until I jumped off of it. Hey guys, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. Now, here we are. And we're on the cusp of our second ever bonus episode. So it's not coming out on the Tuesday like regular, but it's coming out midweek. And the reason why is twofold. Uh, number one, this just flows directly out of our last episode. So previously, episode 83, Aaron Campbell talked about, you know, five like heart preparations that we need in order to, to do proper sermon preparation. And then what you're gonna to listen to now is a Q&A that took place like immediately afterwards. So some of the themes and ideas are unpacked as Aaron Campbell, as well as um, Ray Dash and Cody King um, answer questions from the audience having to do that. So it's a bonus episode because it flows directly out of our main Tuesday episode. It's also a bonus episode because the sound quality isn't great. And it's, uh, yeah, it's not up to the high standards we have here at the Expositors Collective for the Tuesdays, but it's good enough for a bonus episode. I'll explain why. If you're a preacher, you probably know that there is different kinds of microphones people use, and a handheld mic looks the coolest. I think we all know that. But if you hold a handheld mic the wrong way, if your hand covers the, the Bluetooth bit or the transponder or whatever it is, if you hold it incorrectly, it doesn't work for recording purposes. So we're handing the mic back and forth to different people. Um, the, the panel is passing the mic back and forth. And then in that, sometimes the audio quality just sucks for you know about 30 seconds, 40 seconds. And then it gets better every single time. It just has to do with people's hand positioning on there. So this is a bonus episode because the audio quality isn't as good as it could be, but the content is so good, I do want it to get out there. And this is also maybe a, a parable for us preachers about the importance of holding handheld wireless microphones um, the proper way. Okay, I'm gonna get out of the way. Enjoy this bonus content from the New Jersey Expositors Collective. Um, man, can't wait to see you in Las Vegas. Can't wait to see you in Hungary um, and in the other dates coming up. Uh, I just hope that many, many people from across Europe and the US can just be growing in their personal study 
in their public proclamation of God's word. So let's have Aaron come up here and Nick and ask Cody to come up here and Ray and uh, let's talk about some of this practical stuff. This is the time where you can just ask some questions. You know, I don't know what you think about Expositors Collective so far, but I, I really think it's worth the price of admission. And you can see how the, these are all important. There's methodology and, Aaron, you know, the, the heart, all those things are born out of what Aaron was telling to us. It starts, you know, through prayer and on our face. And it's a, it's a, prom, it's a process with methods. Did you have a question? Okay. Aaron, what books would you recommend regarding sermon preparation? All right, really quickly. Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary is just, if you thought I was going to drop some big old, oh my gosh, it's from 300 years ago. Yeah, I've worked hard on that one. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary is amazing when you're doing, when you're studying and you just need to, just quickly, you want to go off. You know, when you're sermon prepping, it's devotion too, right? You're not looking everything up just because you want to deliver it well. You're you want to, you're curious. Hey, but what's let me what's frankincense? What's myrrh? Let me just I think I know. Let me just look it up really quick. Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary. What's the feast of trumpets? You can just look anything up quickly. It's full of verses. It doesn't just define it. it gives you a lot of verses. You can keep it moving. Um, Word Studies in the Greek New Testament by Kenneth Wiest. It's a four volume set. It's does, it's verse by verse, expository, verse by verse, but he is unpacking the Greek, um, and I mean, amazingly, like grace and peace through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowledge in the Greek is epignosis, not just gnosis. It's the experiential knowledge. It is not just a head knowledge, but it's experiencing the truths of Christ that brings that, that, sanctif that tranquilizing peace, you know, and excitement for future grace. So that's amazing. It's a four-volume set. Um, Kenneth Wiest, Word Studies in the Greek New Testament, The Quotable Tozer, and maybe you don't want to get all of Tozer's books. Spell it for him. The oh, Wiest. W-E-I-S-T. W-U-E-S-T. Uh, the Quotable Tozer. He's written so many books, but what's great is there's a two-volume set called The Quotable Tozer. You could look up topics. It will give you the, you could look up, what, what did Tozer say about the Trinity? What did he say about pride? What did he say about whatever, it will not only give you the quotes, but it'll tell you what book it's from. Then you could decide, oh, well, this is from that incredible Christian. This is from, you know, the Echoes and Echoes of Eden. Um, the Golden Treasury is great. That's a, a, a Puritan quotes. Because when we get into outlining too, quotes are great. I'm talking about just beginning and letting them know where you're going. A quote is great. A Bible verse is, the, is golden, but a quote is great to kick it off, you know, and reinforce it. Um, that's that's the ones that are going to come to mind for me for now. I mean, for for oh, Phillips, you should have a good set of commentaries. My own favorite. I mean, there's Alexander McLaren. There's there's White, Alexander White. But Phillips, it's a set called um, People of the Old Testament and People of the New Testament by Phillips. It's a four volume set. I think every one of us, everyone should just pick your own favorite. That's just mine. Um, everyone should have a, a, just a set to do character studies. You know, just for your own personal life, if you're doing the message and it references Peter, well, let me just see what, what Philip says just on unpacking Peter as a person. You know what I mean? Uh, as I'm in this gospel account with Peter. Um, so eh, there's more, but those are just some that I, I feel are must-haves. Like if I had to send my kid off, my three youngins, 
if they said, yo, send me stuff that I want to, I want to get all up in, I want to start preparing messages. I'm doing a study down at college. I would send them those. And then I'd send them Wearsby, you know, six volume set on Wearsby's commentary of the whole Bible. Those are just questions. Just get your hand up and then I can get to you quicker. So anybody? Wow. I'll come back to you. Thank you. Um, I minister a lot in like the college context. And so coming here was the first time I've ever even seen or heard of expository uh, teaching, which I think is really cool. Um, but in college, there's a lot of people who like either don't believe in Jesus or like are very new to the faith. And when it comes to a practical application, because I know like ex ex uh, and as we've seen earlier today, at least for me, expository teaching kind of leaves you off. OK, land a plane on Jesus Christ. You need a savior. Um, but with people who don't necessarily understand, like who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, where they can understand what that means and how to work that out practically. What are some tips that you guys have for like um, how to land a plane on Jesus, but still give people who are not familiar in their walk some practical steps to, you know, whatever. So one of the things I think of in the context I serve, it's not high Bible literacy. And so um, kind of like Aaron's phrase, putting the cookies where the people can grab them, right? Um, so my outline kind of looks like explain the passage first, what the text is saying, then make personal application, and then finally give people hope through Christ Jesus. So in that personal application, people should be able to identify how the scriptures are fitting for their life. I think as well as you're, as you're thinking about that, it's the context of who you're talking to is going to change how you apply it, right? So if I'm going to, if I'm teaching something for a MOPS group, which is mother of preschoolers, I'm not going to apply the Bible the same way to them as, you know, a men's breakfast or something like that. It's going to be very different based on who I'm talking to. So you know the people you're talking to, and that's going to change the way that you bring the application from how you know their lives are, are being lived or whatever they're experiencing. As well, when, you're, when you are expositing the scriptures, when you're actually going through and exposing uh, the Bible, one of the things that Nick talked about a little bit was the idea of how it creates this tension. And one of the things we try to do is we try to rush in and alleviate the tension that God is creating on purpose. And we need to stop trying to alleviate that tension and let it exist. And then point to the fact that Jesus is the one that fixes this. Not try to, you know, explain it away. We're, we're not, we don't want to explain away the tension. We want to make the tension felt. And then Jesus is the one who fixes that. And that's how we can apply it to that. That's good. And just that we're going to, we, we have a module called homiletics that we'll, we'll definitely get into more of what you're, directed more to, to like what you're asking right here because that's a very important question so no. maybe <laughs> i don't know if any one of you are bivocational or not or if you ever been a bivocational minister, but how did you balance work, family, social life, church ministry, and teaching in the same time? That, that's a great question. 
And <laughs> I, I may have done it. I don't know. But anyway, I did that um, for the first eight years of us church planting. Um, I was bivocational. Um, there came a time where um, God opened up a door for me to um, continue in my career, but I had to make some sacrifices. That meant that I wasn't going to grow um, vertically in my career, but I was going to let go of some things. But God positioned me into a location where um, I was able to be faithful to my job, but also in the call, he opened up opportunity for me to have quality time. And so in the office where I worked at, um, there was you would think it was more like a church office because I had stacks of books in this in the headquarters, you know, my resources there. And um, as long as I got my work done, it worked out. That was the part as far as giving that time, if I was using that time the right way to prepare. However, um, wife, four kids, um, and doing all of those things, I didn't realize how fast the treadmill was going until I jumped off of it. And so um, by his grace, he's kept us. He kept us um, through that time. And I can't say that I always did it right, um, but God has been gracious to us and now has allowed me to do it full time, which I never thought I'd be able to do it. And uh, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. So we we actually the the latest Expositors Collective podcast is on this. Uh, so if you're interested in more on that, you can listen to the entire the thing. Nick and I sat down and talked through that uh, a little bit. But I think that one of the big things that for me, we, we planted in Denver five years ago. Uh, and it's been just over a year that I've been full-time at the church. So that whole time I was, you know, bivocational. And um, that, I, I think it's a really great question. I think the biggest thing is, is uh, the idea of 1 Corinthians, um, I think it's chapter 9, where Paul says uh, at the end of it, he says, I beat my body, I make it my slaves, so that at the end of my race I haven't run in vain kind of a thing. I think it is to do what you can and trust the rest to the Lord. Because, you know, sometimes what you're probably going to hear for the most part when you ask a, a pastor, hey, how much time do you spend studying and preparing messages? They're going to say something crazy that you're not going to be able to give time to. You know, something between 10 and 20 hours. And you're like, yeah, I, I got to sleep and I got kids and I got a job. And it turns out my job isn't paying me to study the Bible. So, like, how do I do this? You know, it's just kind of a bunch of crazy that way. And so, you know, for me, I was able to have a job that was a little bit flexible and I did have some time where I could study at work. Um, I, my job was a lot of driving. So instead of reading commentaries, I was listening to commentaries as I'm driving. You know, I'm listening to someone teach whatever section I'm going to be in or whatever. Uh, but for the most part, it's doing what you can, but realizing, you know, I've only got four, six hours this week to be able to study. God, I need you to drop that manna from heaven. I need you to give me this word for your people and believing that God really is going to, because he called you to give it to them. He could have called anybody, but he told you to give it to them. So trust the Lord that he's going to do that. And just to share with you as well, you know, my wife is an attorney, actually. So we chores are split down the middle. I probably actually cook more than her. She works 60, 70 hours a week. When I first started the church, I was teaching five different classes at a high school uh, when we were just starting the church. So yeah, guess what? We got beat up. I mean, it was, it was, we were tired. She's working 60, 70 hours a week coming home. Who's going to cook? You know, I'm cooking and you name it, you know, but just trust the process. Faithful is he who's called you. Faithful is he who will do it. And 
you know, yeah, do you want to know that I, I, I got anxiety during that time? That's when I found out I ha had high blood pressure. A lot of things happened, but that was God using it to break me, to bring me to the place of deeper surrender, to really not just, quote, abide, abide in him. Jacob went from holding God as a novelty to clinging to God as a necessity. You know, so these limps are designed to teach you to go from resisting to clinging. So trust the process. That's good. Yeah. And like uh, Cody mentioned, is that what episode is that? Do you have well, the number? 64. 64. The most recent one, I think. Yeah. So it deals with uh, bivocational ministry. Because that's, that's a, um, you know, that when we're talking about prep, it takes, you know, time. <laughs> and so I, I love the perspective you know, it's the, it's the, the prep, but then just the God, you need to drop something on me too. And that's, that's the exception, not the rule, but we want to be, I, I just appreciate that because, uh, you want to be open to the exception you, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's 90% inspiration and 10% perspiration and vice versa, you know, in a message. And the thing is just, we need God and we just be faithful to, 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 to bring, you know, bring what he, what he gives to you. And today I was going to teach on the four senses of reading scripture, moral, allegorical, spiritual, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and it completely changes. All no, that so, was good. Yeah. No, that's that, that's that unction thing, you know, and uh, just get be, and being free to, and it takes time, you know, to hear, to be sensitive to that, you know, we're, we're all, we're all still growing, you know, we've been preaching for many years and you're, but, but you learn to, to, you know, to put in the work, put in the time, do the reading, do the praying. That's all we need to do that and have that process. But then there's that, that Martin Lloyd Do Jones, there's a great book out there by Mike Sargent that is on, it's a biography of Martin Lloyd Jones and he talks about Martin Lloyd-Jones' journey as a, as a preacher and that over later in his life, he learned this like extra dynamic to his preaching. He's one of the greatest preachers. To me, he's one of my favorites, right? And they refer to it as the, as the unction of the Holy Spirit. And if you listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's all, eh, 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 you know, he's just a kind of monotone, but then he just, he has God's word, you know, and interesting thing, just let me real quick, because it, it's to your point about the Holy Spirit in the moment, your hearers, and that there's that, there's that sacred place that's just you, whether you're teaching a home Bible study, whatever, whoever's God has called you to, there's a thing in the moment that only you can deliver. The, the YouTube can't deliver it, the, the guy on the tape, I mean, that's great information it has its place but there's something god wants to do on that night or on that sunday morning at that moment with those people and actually lloyd jones believed that so strongly he wouldn't let them record his messages do you know that and so he did he he said i don't want him record because what god's giving me is for these people at this moment at this moment in history and that's it and he held that very sacred and but his staff, you know, had a reel-to-reel -reel up there, and they recorded him anyway. And when he died, his family, you can listen to him, but it was after he died, and they started the Mountain Lloyd Joyce Foundation, and they just put all of his stuff on tape. Interesting, but it's to your point, you know? And, and that's what we're going to get more into this, but we, we, 
you know, anyway, I don't want to take over. Let's let's answer some more questions here. Real quick, on just as you're talking about yeah. that, the idea of the, you know, sometimes it's usually it's 90% perspiration. Yeah. And just to, to talk to that in terms of what I did practically when, you know, doing bivocational, yeah. I would study as much as I could throughout the week in these little stolen moments of time or whatever. But then I would actually wake up at about four in the morning on Sunday, write a message and then preach that message. So it's just you got to be willing to do what you got to do, you know, to wake up and, and put the time in where you can find it. Yeah. And I, I take my take my notebook with me everywhere I go to the store. It's always sitting there in the, in the seat. If I'm running errands as I'm meditating and chewing on the process. And then I write something down and I'll, I'll just, I'll just constantly be working or, um, and yeah, so just do what you can. So along that same lines, uh, it would be like knowing your audience and what are some tactics that you use for, um, understanding the community, like getting involved in the community, understanding the, the demographic of, of the church and being able to, obviously the Holy Spirit's gonna lead that, but there's also some like getting involved with like sports, I guess, with your kids or showing up at community events. Like what are some things that you do to, to sort of soak in the feel of the community and the people? Aaron, that's you. And you can answer that. I mean, you should answer that. But just we're going to we have a whole module on exactly what you're talking about, you know, but let, let, let you guys answer that right now. So. <laughs> Ray, that's also you. Uh, I, I would say one word, you know, availability. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping outside my door and I'm making myself available for wherever you want to take me. And he will create the divine appointments, you know, like. Faithful is he who has called you. Faithful is he who will do it. First Thessalonians 5.24. He will make the divine appointments. Before you know it, you just know that you find out that the coffee shop is where people are. You find out that this is where it is. It's just he will do it. Uh, and that's what makes it so exciting, you know. Um, so I would just say, I mean, but yes, uh, I stay, you know, shepherds should smell like sheep. You know, shepherds should smell like sheep. If you see a shepherd, says he's a shepherd out, you know, in the Middle East and he smells like, you know, I don't know, you know, Chanel, you know, or some other, you know, some, some, you know, whatever else in St. Laurent, you know, then you, you know, shepherds should smell like sheep. So, you know, we want to stay dirty. We want to stay right there at, at, the, at the level like Ezekiel, you know, I, I went and sat among them. So, um, yes, there's delegating pastors. We, we delegate. We want to be all be better delegators, but there's there should always be a place where we're still right in there getting dirty, you know, and in terms of like getting your demographic, I would just say, yeah, I mean. You know, just look for all the ways God will do it. You know, resources in your hand, stuff you'll find. But but most of all, it's just in, encountering people. Um, you know, God is God. You know, he raised Moses in a palace to have him in the desert, had Joseph in a prison to be in the palace. You know, take a white person, throw him in an all-black neighborhood, you know, and use you there. You know what I mean? Take someone from the hood, throw him in somewhere else. So that's what makes it exciting. But but he will he will do it. But you just want to be relational. You want to be available and relational and then divine appointments. So. And then and that's, how you, that's how you discover the tension that you're talking about is being in in your community that people are asking all these questions. And what's the tension? A divine and, appointment could be the homeless yeah, person, the little yeah. kid you want, that, that, that throws a brick at your car. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you know what I mean? Flexibility and just ready. Yeah. You know? I think sometimes the tendency can be that we just become cocoons, right? Like we just hiding in this office or in this space because we got to get this message for Sunday. 
And uh, we got to come away from that, right? And, and a lot of that is one, you know, what we've been talking about, that which I received from the Lord, I deliver to you vertical, but in, in respect of touching people, we have to get outside the four walls. And so some of the ways that God has done that with, with me and my family is one, he moved us right down. We live on a church property. And we were accused because um, somebody said, oh, you're just trying to avoid taxes. That's not the case. <laughs> um, God called us down there. But do you um, pay taxes? Um, I pay taxes, yeah. <laughs> I don't pay property taxes, but I pay taxes. <laughs> just curious. Um, you know, the people are outside in our community three in the morning. So we're not going to be out there at nine in the morning. They're out there at three in the morning. They're sleeping at nine. So... We want to be there where the people are, um, being tangible. You know, we can't look at people's faces and say, well, I'm going to avoid you because that's what you look at like and you don't look like me. Um, don't believe all that the news puts out there. Know firsthand the people that you're dealing with and everybody's community is different. But um, wherever God has led you, he's led you there to be engaged with the community. And so sometimes that's uncomfortable. You know, I was the PTO president of the school across the street, and it got me so involved with the school. I'm the assistant basketball coach. Um, and so different ways that now they call us into the assembly and they tell us, yo, just go ahead, tell them about Jesus. The principal's sending the students over to the church. And so um, that wouldn't happen without the relationship. And so God's doing that. But you got to be with people. You got to be with people that are difficult. And ask God to give you a heart and grace to continue yeah. to just walk with him. Yeah. Amen. So we have time for one more. And um, yeah, but these guys will be around. We're going to have more Q&As too. So there's, there's more to come. But just, for, just so we can get to the food, um, one more and then we'll pray for dinner. Of course, um, this question kind of goes along the lines of what you guys were saying in terms of smell, um, the shepherds smelling like their sheep. And I want to just discuss how does the church um, confront cultural differences. I say that because I'm Haitian, so I, I grew up in a Haitian church. And so a lot of what's being taught today is like almost is foreign to my upbringing. And I know you're saying a lot of the times that it's about what we do outside of the walls. But I believe like how we represent ourselves inside of these walls also plays a major factor only because um, it's interesting to me is that the our churches inside the walls don't represent the community outside the walls. So how do we, that tension per se, how do we as a church confront that when our, a lot of our worship is based off our cultural preferences, right? How I worship at my Haitian church is different how we worship here at a more contemporary church or versus a gospel church or an Indian church. So how, does, how do we as a church confront those cultural dishes to look like heaven, or are we meant to operate in those sections? Yeah, I think that we don't want to, uh, you know, we want to remove anything that is foreign that is not necessarily the gospel, right? So any, we want to remove as much as we can that's foreign. You know, you can think about it like, like my wife and I were missionaries in Hungary uh, for 10 years, over 10 years. And, um, you know, when you're a missionary, how do you think? Well, you think, well, not what's my preference, but how can I reach these people that I'm trying to reach? You know, whether that means changing the style of music away from something that is my personal preference or speaking in a way, using in, uh, analogies or whatever it is, you know, ways that you do outreach. You uh, 
reach those people. You never uh, compromise the gospel, but you're trying to remove any unnecessary barriers. And, you know, um, you know, sometimes in church it can end up being like we're having these conversations. It's like a group of people. If you ever seen like a group of people all huddled up together talking about something, and, you know, across the street, like the, there's a house burning down, right? And there's people having a conversation about some, you know, abstract topic. We don't want to do that, right? Like we want to understand what's going on. We want to remove any unnecessary barriers. All right. My wife is Haitian. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but amen to everything he said. Yeah. Cool. All last right. Thing I just want to say too is, yeah. is one last thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. You got it. Touch bro. the mic again. You got it. You know, I'm studying now for a master's right in, in theology. And what I do want to say this as well is while we're saying, yeah, we got to get out there, we got to get out there and you want to be sheep should smell like shepherds. Let me just also say it really just, it's God's calling on your life. Cause I will tell you this, the theologians who I'm now learning so much from, and my mind is just getting blown. And so appreciate they, the time, the time for what they're sharing. They, their calling is to be in four walls, getting it in. You see what I mean? David Guzik, the reason we glean from him and we're all out in the field. Sometimes we don't have as much time because we're out there just wiping snotty noses. We need men, people that are doing that as well. So you see what I'm saying? So we just have to be careful. Everyone has to just know their calling, but whatever your calling is, do that thing. Amen. Good. Does that make sense? That's a good word. Yep. It's yeah. good. Okay. Cody, you've got the mic. You want to pray for our food? Let's do it. Okay. Father, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for this day and this time to spend uh, just drawing near to you. We pray that you would bless this time as we eat. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for the provision of the food. And uh, God, I pray that our fellowship would be sweet and that we would dive deeper into these things together for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, my name is Derek Neider. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Las Vegas. You know, we are so privileged to be able to host Expositors Collective on February 21st and 22nd of 2020. You know, if you want to learn how to teach the Word of God, you don't want to miss this opportunity to sit under some great teaching and learn in an interactive environment. If you're 18 to 34, let me tell you something, you don't want to miss it. I wish that this existed when I was learning to teach the Word of God. Make sure you sign up today and join us for this life-changing opportunity. Thank you.